There's a very famous old funeral hymn written by a man who was facing death uh, called Abide With Me. It's a prayer inviting God to abide with him. Go to uh, uh, Wikipedia or whatever it is and get the full thing, because people only sing three or four verses, but some of the verses that are left out are actually beautiful. But one of the famous ones which most people do sing is swift to its close, ebbs out life's little day, earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away, change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Very important phrase, change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, stick with me. See, life is ever-changing, ever-moving onwards. And as you age, it gets faster and faster, as you're no doubt noticing already. Primary school, well, you thought you were there forever. And then high school, well, it was long. And if you went to university, it was quick. And then work starts. And then suddenly all life changes. All kinds of things. People move on. Families age, marry, have children, move away. Friends disappear. New friends are made. But look how Peter speaks about it in 1 Peter, back to 1 Peter, back to 1 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 24, where he says, All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. See, the glorious beauty of health, of youth, fattens into middle-aged, balding man with glasses, whose great chest resides as his stomach's paunch. It just happens to us, you see, as we grow older, and then you become a decrepit man of old age, whom we have to protect from the virus because their body's vigour is unable to cope with it. I hope none of you get the virus, but you know, can be a lot worse if I do, don't you? Just because of age, just because this body has not got the vigour and youth that your magnificent body still has. But hang around, you'll be with me. We perish. And the contrast to us is the word of God. For it endures forever. All flesh is grass, all is glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but... The word of the Lord remains forever. And this is what Isaiah saw, which we said right this morning in our first discussion group, looking at Isaiah 40, if you remember. In the face of the overwhelming horror of the, of the Babylonian captivity, he knew, he understood, God had promised David, salvation will come. God had promised that David's son would rule. God is faithful. It will happen. God is loving. He will not lie to us. He's just doing things that no human would guess. He's just telling us beforehand what will happen, but not necessarily how it will happen. But he is the sovereign one who is the ruler of the world, and he speaks by his word, and he is faithful and loving. So he will keep his word to us. The world is not a meaningless cycling through birth and death. It's all under God. 
bringing about his purpose in the salvation of mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the gospel. The world is not a meaningless pursuit of material possessions like our Sydney society has believed that it is. All around, as you get more material possessions, you get bigger debts and you get more maintenance. Nor is it an endless chase after the ultimate experience, as your generation thinks. They've looked at their parents who've got the possessions and they're not happy. No possession actually makes you happy. You, you think it will until you have it. And then you notice that someone's got a bigger screen than you have. And someone's got a newer phone than you have. And some, You're never happy with the possessions that you have. So some people say, well, we're not after possessions, we're after experiences. And so you go chasing the world for the, the ultimate experience that will make life worthwhile, that, that thrill that you can photograph as a selfie. No matter what picture you have of the Taj Mahal, there's always better ones on Google. And it really doesn't matter whether you've seen it or not. It's there. Whether you've seen it doesn't make it more there or less there or make you a better person or a lesser person. It just is you've spent a lot of money looking at a building, which you knew about before you went, otherwise you wouldn't have gone looking at it. If that's an experience that makes your life meaningful and purposeful, you have a very meaningless, purposeless life. It's daft. It's as daft and silly as thinking that the, the next coat or the next pair of shoes are going to make my life worthwhile. Nor is it that sense of having made your mark in life, having made a difference. Who cares? Who remembers? You won't when you're dead. What, what mark is it that you can make in the world that the next generation won't rub out? It doesn't matter. I introduced you to those scientists. I had to tell you who they were. I had to tell you what they invented. They were the most famous men of their day. You don't know them. Grass withers and fades, but it's the word of God which endures forever, for God is faithful and loving, ruling the world in righteousness and justice by telling us beforehand what he is doing. And my friends, that word of God that endures forever is the gospel news, the good news that has been preached to us. All flesh is like grass. I'm just going back to the verse again. All flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news, is the gospel that was preached to you. That's why our trajectory is not only about the word concerning the future, but it's also about the future of that word in this world today. We are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what the word of God does. It gives new life to people. We've been born by the word of this gospel. As I speak the gospel to other people, I do the miracle of miracles. I give them rebirth just by the silliness of the things that come out of my mouth, the foolishness of what comes out of my mouth, just by telling them of the Lord Jesus Christ his death and resurrection, I can change the course of human history. I can change the life of the individual in front of me. The word of God is the power of God for salvation and it's in our mouths. Isn't that extraordinary? 
Isn't it marvellous? See, I don't know you all. I'm sorry, I don't know you all. And this year it's been even less than last year's. But, and I don't know what plans you have for the future, what courses you're doing, what jobs you're looking for, what, what marriage partners you're expecting to have. Or, I, I don't know. But if your plans for the future are not built on God's word, they're futile. And if they are built on God's word, they will include the future of God's word going out to the rest of the world. Because that is what our world is about now. God has done the death of his son He's done the resurrection of his son. He's done the ascension of his son. He's done the sending of the spirit into the world. The only thing left is, well, there's two things left. There's the judgment day at the end and there's the spread of the gospel until that day happens. There's the transforming of lives until that day happens. All the rest of the trajectory has happened and you are born in this gospel age which is marvellous because it gives you new birth, gives you transformation, gives you a reason for living on and spreading the gospel. Now, the virus has put an obstacle in the way of our plans, but never in the way of God's plans. The word of the Lord endures forever. It may have caused you to pause and think and change your plans. Well, that's good. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with changing your plans. Don't put them in cement. You might say, well... I really I don't want to spend my life doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't have to finish that course and do that course that I've enrolled myself in. I only did it because I got the marks to get in, but I never really wanted to do it in the first place. So the virus pulls us all up to stop and think again, doesn't it? Never waste a good crisis. There's opportunity in them all. And it may have caused our non-Christian friends to rethink their life. So now's the time to invite people. It's fascinating. I keep on hearing people tell me that they've invited their relatives to come to church with them, though their relatives are living in different parts of Sydney or different parts of Australia or overseas and couldn't normally ever come to church with us. But they've come to church because, hey, they're sitting at home not knowing what to do. And here on Sunday morning they can anonymously come to church in their pyjamas, like the rest of us, unwashed. <laughs> God is working his plans out, using these circumstances to bring the salvation to the world. Let's make sure we understand it so that we can live in the light of the gospel word of God and we can share that light to the ends of the earth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, the salvation by which we can be brought into your kingdom. Thank you for those who laboured over us and taught us your gospel word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we may grow by your word, that we may continue to have confidence in your word, and that we may share this word with others, that through us the Lord Jesus would be glorified and men and women, boys and girls, would come to salvation. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.